Hello, folks. I am Trevor Welsh, and I thank you for tuning in to the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers Fort Worth District's podcast, Life is Better at the Lake, the only podcast that brings you all the greatness and splendor of our 25 lakes across the great state of Texas. As always, this podcast is made possible by the U.S. Armed Forces Service members, whose bravery and sacrifice allow you to listen to this and other great podcasts whenever, wherever, and however you want. To get the full effect, you can watch my guest and I interact on the YouTube version of this podcast. But if you're in a car, or at the gym, or you just don't like seeing my face, subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts so you'll be notified when each monthly episode is published. Details will be in the description. Also, feel free to send comments to public.affairs at usace.army.mil. Now, sit back and get ready to learn why life is better at the lake. Today we're here with Rob Jordan. He's the lake manager for Louisville Lake and Ray Roberts. Rob, why don't you tell me a little bit about what your job entails? Well, as the lake manager here, I'm responsible for the day-to-day operations at Louisville and Ray Roberts Lakes, and that involves a lot of different aspects. Um, before we get into that, why don't you tell me what you did before you were a lake manager? Okay. Uh, well, my career with the Corps of Engineers started back in 2001 um, while I was in college, I actually began working for the Corps as a seasonal summer ranger at Lake Texoma. Uh, Worked two summers there while I was in college, and uh, I found out about that because I was a major in wildlife conservation and was in the biology building one day and uh, saw a flyer that the Corps of Engineers was looking for seasonal help. And my original career plans were to be a Texas game warden. And I thought, well, being a park ranger for the Corps of Engineers would fit right into that and look really good on a resume. So I applied for that along with about 20 other folks there in in the, the college there. And they picked a handful of us to be summer rangers. And I did that for two summers and then was looking to try to get on permanently with the Corps because after working two summers, I kind of liked what the Corps had to offer. And, uh, thought it would be a good career choice. So I was able to get into a program that at the time was called the co-op program, which is where you were going to school and working and they would work around your college hours. And then once you graduated, you could be placed into a position. And I did that and worked at Lake Levon over near Wiley, Texas for about four or five years as a park ranger over there. That's another, that's another Fort Worth district lake. That is another Fort Worth district lake. And uh, that's where I started in Fort Worth district. Uh, was a ranger there for about four or five years. And then while I was there, decided to take the next career step and uh, did a developmental assignment in the Fort Worth District Office in the real estate division. And while I was doing that developmental assignment, they had vacancies there for a realty specialist. Uh, I decided, okay, this would help me move up in the Corps of Engineers and be good for my career path. So I decided to take that role and uh, worked as a realty specialist in Fort Worth for a couple of years. And in that role, that's where I learned about how the Corps outgrants land and leases land and does easements. So I there's a lot of, of land out here. At there's a lot of it. And we can talk about more of that in detail later. But um, you know, learned kind of the the ins and outs of the leasing and easement process. 
And that helped me to get to my next role, which was to be lake manager here. And I've been the lake manager here at Louisville since November of 2010. So you, out of anybody at this office, probably know most about this lake. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say that. <laughs> we have some people in this office that have been here longer than me. Oh, really? And uh, yes, we have we have some people that work here that have been here twice as long as I have. Wow. And I rely on them heavily for historical knowledge and and you know any kind of day-to-day -day questions. Sounds like you got a good team out here. We do have a good team and uh you know being here almost 10 years now, I have become familiar with a lot of the lake and uh of course there's it, it's so much land and and so much water area that we cover when you combine Louisville and Ray Roberts, there's still a lot of areas that, you know, I haven't been able to to get to yet to see. It's a uh... Looking at it right now, it's a giant, giant lake. It is. <laughs> it's massive. Louisville is about 29,000 surface acres of water when it's at conservation pool. And we have another 16,000 or so acres of land around that that we manage. And then in addition to that, um, the Corps has another about 5,000 acres of easement on private property to store floodwater. I was, um, <clears throat> I was working with another... Uh, a project manager engineer, uh, Albert Rice, uh, and he is overseeing the dam safety modification program. So I've been up here, it's fourth or fifth time I've been up here in the last couple of weeks. And he took me out to what they call the borrow pit, which basically what they're doing is they're, you know this, uh, for, for those of you who don't, they're, they're, I guess, in layman terms, shoring up the dam at Louisville, they're taking a lot of soil and putting it up against the um, <clears throat> parts of the dam that are already there to um, just to make it safer. Um, and he took me out there where they're where they're bringing mud from the borrow pit. And it's like, I forget the number he said, but they're digging down 10 feet. And that area out there is like the size of 10 football fields. Like they're putting a lot of soil out there. Yeah, that's in the project you're talking about is the dam safety modification study repairs and yeah. and that's where they're going to be stabilizing the embankment of the dam you know there's been some areas where uh, they're trying to control the amount of water that seeps through the dam mm -hmm. and uh, they're going to be putting an inverted filter and a berm there and that's where they're going to be getting that material from is that borrow area so yes that will that that's a project that will be ongoing for the next couple of years yeah that dam is five miles long. <laughs> yeah. that's a, that's I a believe when this dam was built that this was the the longest earthen embankment west of the Mississippi. Now, that may not be true anymore, but it, yes, it, it's actually six miles long. I've driven across the top of it a couple of times and it's like, holy cow, we're still on the dam. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell me, Rob, <clears throat> since, since you don't like reading... <laughs> Didn't say I don't like it. I just don't do a lot of it. <laughs> I don't either. I don't either. Um, you said you do watch YouTube. What do you watch on YouTube? Well, I'm a, a do-it-yourselfer. I have a lot of hobbies, and I like to try a lot of different things. So it could be anything from a woodworking video to uh, <laughs> oil painting techniques. Okay. Uh, All right. That's a pretty big spectrum. Yeah, it's diverse. <clears throat> you know, I, I like to try my hand at a lot of different things. I've... I, at one point, had a uh, taxidermy business that I did on the side. So, really? 
Yeah. And it, he and took I, me to his office and there's a, there's a, a mountain there with only one antler on it. <laughs> so, okay. I that? can explain that. <laughs> a lot of people ask me about that. And, uh, so white tailed deer, that's my, one of my favorite subjects to enjoy in the outdoors is deer hunting and white tailed deer. And, you know, over the, the last few years, I've gotten more into finding shed deer antlers. So if uh, you don't know, white-tailed deer drop their antlers every year and they regrow a new set. Well, usually they're bigger than each year as they progress. And then, you know, as that deer gets older, then sometimes they get smaller, older in life. But they drop them every year and regrow them. So the fact that I like finding those sheds, I thought, well, I'm going to do a mount that shows a deer that just shed one of its antlers uh, so i actually did that mount in there that was uh, one of my competition pieces that i entered in a, a convention here in texas a convention for what a taxidermy competition and convention no way yes so that was four or five years ago but i that's okay yeah that's that's pretty impressive that's pretty impressive because i grew up <clears throat> i grew up in the midwest and uh my family then and now still hunt deer. My uh, my cousin is a bow hunter, and uh, he's teaching his. He's got two boys teaching them how to hunt. But I never really understood how you take how you make them out. How how does that done? Like I know you don't use the uh, real eyes or real fur or. I don't. <laughs> it, it is the real fur. It it's the real hide. So the only thing on that mount that's actually real is the hide. The the antlers you see in there were replicas that I actually made. They're not even real antlers, but replicas. Replica so you deer. Gotta, you got to cast them, paint I them. Made a mold of them and hand painted them. Yes, <laughs> I have over a hundred hours in that particular mount. Wow. So, but yeah, the only thing real is the the fur, and then antlers on a normal mount would be real. But all the inside is foam and glass eyes so it's it's all artificial materials that's an interesting i mean that and and mortician are like <laughs> how do you get into something like that well I, ever, I guess everybody's got their passion some people would think hosting a podcast is weird <laughs> <laughs> um so speaking of hunting tell me about tell me about the hunting opportunities out at the at the lands around the lakes okay so of course you know being a federal agency, we have a lot of public land here. And I mentioned we had about 16,000 acres of land around this lake. Well, some of that is designated as hunting land, public hunting land. And here at Louisville, uh, we give out 600 permits for hunters each year. And they're on a first come, first serve basis. We start giving those out on August 15th, which is the day that hunting licenses go on sale. So we usually have a line out the door that day for people to get hunting permits. Now, in addition to that, we do have some special hunts that uh, we conduct out here. And I know you got to participate and come out and, and visit with us for the most recent one we had. Yep, that uh, was pretty awesome. We do a uh, special disabled youth deer hunt, and we partner with the National Wild Turkey Federation and Texas Parks and Wildlife. And we conduct that uh, in an area here that's a controlled wildlife management area. That's over by the, um, the LERF. For people that don't know what the LERF is, what's the LERF? Well, LERF is the Louisville Aquatic Ecosystem Research Facility, which is also part of the Corps, but it's a separate office out of Vicksburg District, and they have a laboratory there. But it's the old state fish hatchery right. here at the at the dam. Yeah, that was pretty cool out there. Those uh, 
watching those kids. I was only out there for one day, but I found out they ended up bringing in 11. We worked with Parks and Wildlife to get some special tags yeah. uh, under the managed lands deer permit system. And we had the opportunity that they could take up to 15 deer and they took 11. So it was a very successful, not only allowed them to get uh, a harvest, but allowed us to help reach our management goals. It was pretty, yeah, that was, that was awesome. The National Wild Turkey Federation are really passionate about that. They are. And that, that uh, partnership has been very successful. They've not only helped us there, but they've helped us at Ray Roberts uh, with some new access points and parking areas and it's been a good, good partnership with them. Now you've had, you've had uh, uh, somebody tell me who came out and built wheelchair accessible blinds. Yes. So as part of this hunt, uh, we actually started it as a wounded warrior hunt mm -hmm. several years ago. And uh, of course we needed some blinds for the hunters to sit in. So we worked with a uh, local Eagle Scout who was doing a project and he, he built us three wheelchair accessible hunting blinds and we still use them today. They're still in great shape. He did a good job on the project and it's been very beneficial to us. And when they're not used as hunting blinds, they're used as wildlife viewing blinds and they get more use than just that, that <clears throat> one hunt a year. And they got, um, isn't there an area over by the spillway that they use for, um, ornithology? They've got a, uh, a, a a bird viewing platform out there in the in the grasslands. Yes, so the area below the dam is actually in a lease to a group that's comprised of the University of North Texas, uh, the city of Louisville, and Louisville Independent School District. And they do, primarily UNT does a lot of research out there. Uh, the other groups bring school kids and do outdoor education, but they do have a, a, a platform they've built for bird watching and they do stargazing out there and different kinds of events. That's right. That's really cool. It's one of the, it's one of the few areas here in the Metroplex where you can actually be within all of the urban sprawl surrounded by millions of people. But in this particular location, you're probably about as far away from a human as you could be it's, and it's, still be in Dallas Fort Worth. It's a hidden gem out there. It's um, now do people can, can people access that or is that is that special access? That viewing platform is probably special access and you'd need to coordinate it with the folks at Leela. And uh, it's usually used during some of their special events. Okay. It's nice out there. Tell me about <clears throat> now. I think maybe a lot of people uh, don't understand the partnership that's involved with uh, local and state agencies when it comes to maintaining what everybody loves about the lake, the parks and the campgrounds. So tell me a little bit about what goes into making sure those are uh, well-kept and accessible. Okay. So here at Louisville, there's 20, 21 recreation areas, um, parks, boat ramps, that kind of thing. The majority of those over the years have actually been leased out to local cities and we partner with local cities to manage those. So, for example, like here at Louisville, the closest one right across from the office here is Louisville Lake Park and the city manages that. And we still work with them, you know, hand in hand on different development. You know, when they want to do something new in the park, they come and talk to us and and we still oversee it and do inspections in there and that kind of thing. But uh, here Locally, we, we do manage a campground that the Corps runs at Hickory Creek Park. Um, we have several other boat ramps and day use parks, and that is continual maintenance. We have staff that 
that are always out there in the parks trying to make sure things are working properly. And whether it be a, a campsite where the pedestal threw a breaker or we've got a, a plumbing leak or something, you know, we're always having to fix something. It's so continual. You said, you said 25 parks and campgrounds? I think 21. 21, okay. Mm -hmm. Here and, at Louisville. And how many, how many personnel do you have working here at the lake office? I have a staff of six park rangers, and then I have uh, a civil engineering tech, which kind of oversees minor maintenance, and then I have a maintenance worker, and then I have an admin. Okay, so for those of you who uh, might not be good at, at ratios, that's not enough people to take care of 21 parks, <laughs> which is precisely why you partner with. That's exactly why we lease them out, because it's it, the core determined through, you know, throughout the years that sometimes it's better to lease it out to a local partner that can provide a better, more quality recreational opportunity for the public. Makes 100% sense. So stop messaging me on Facebook about the parks because it's not my responsibility. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Please do continue to message me. And then, you know, what I'll do is I'll, I'll, I'll pawn it off to Rob here. He can take <laughs> care of it. <laughs> um, okay. So tell me about, there's a, Tell me about the people that man the gates at the campground facilities. Are they federal employees? No, okay. they are not. Um, and different lakes do it different ways. Typically, those are under a contract. Okay. So we will put out a notice for bid, and uh, people can bid on those to, to work as a contract gate attendant. And they're required to be in those those gate shacks so many hours per day and they have designated shifts and uh, that's how we take care of that. You know, in, in instances when we can't get a contract worker, sometimes it will be a volunteer. We have volunteer opportunities where let's say you have a uh, retired couple that's full-time RVers and they want to be able to stay six months at a certain area and then move on. They can enter into a, a volunteer agreement with us and, and work different kinds of volunteer labor here at the park to help us maintain things. That's exactly what's going on over, um, this is right over here at the, uh, entrance to the, to the spillway fishing area and the, and the trails and the canoe launch out there. Yes. Those, uh, those volunteers are staying right there next to the gate in their RVs. Those are volunteers that work for the city of Louisville, but that's okay. typical of what we would have in our park as well. All right. All right, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in just a little bit. We're here at Louisville Lake. Ray, well, we're at Louisville Lake, but we're at the office that manages Louisville Lake and Ray Roberts, and we're talking here with Rob Jordan, the lake manager. We'll be back in just a little bit. All right, welcome back to Life is Better at the Lake. I'm your host, Trevor Welsh, and I'm here with Rob Jordan, the manager for Louisville Lake and Ray Roberts. All right, Rob, tell me a little bit about what a park ranger is and what they do. First of all, that's not, what's, what are they actually called? What's their job title? Their actual job title is natural resource specialist. Okay. So, you know, I think one of the big misconceptions the public has about core park rangers is sometimes they get the uh, 
attribute that they're law enforcement officers when technically they're not. Um, they enforce core regulations. Um, they do have the ability to write citations, but they are not uh, law enforcement to where they could like detain or, you know, take someone to jail or arrest someone. They, they are strictly out there to enforce regulations set forth in Title 36, which are the rules and regulations that govern core property. So they're, they're stewards. They're stewards of the land. Um, they are a jack of all trades. I mean, being a park ranger, you have to be very flexible on what your skills and abilities are. And you have to be able to go from one day being in an office doing some kind of paperwork, writing a letter to a landowner, uh, filling out a form to the next day being out possibly on a tractor, you know, putting in a food plot somewhere or being able to drive a patrol vessel on the lake and conduct water safety patrol. Um, the list goes on and on. They, they are the ones that are the face of the core out here. You know, they interact with the public day in and day out. We might get a phone call uh, about something going on on core property and they have to respond to it and check into it and find out what's going on because, you know, we're responsible for all the boundary around the, around the lake. So they, they go check on a lot of boundary issues, encroachments. And here being in, a, in an urban area, that's one of the big challenges we face here at Louisville is the number of encroachments from adjacent landowners. We have in the neighborhood of 10,000 landowners around this lake. Wait, so, what, explain what that means, encroachment. Okay, an encroachment would be when someone is conducting an unauthorized activity or using core property in a manner that they've not been given permission. And that could even be mowing the yes. core property next to their land. A lot of what we deal with is vegetation removal, tree cuttings. Some of those can get very, very pricey on the value of damage that's done, especially if you're in, uh, you know, one of our environmentally sensitive areas that we've got classified to where that habitat's high value and, you know, people go in there and want a view of the lake and cut trees down. And, and I can understand wanting a view, but, you know, it's federal land and, mm -hmm. We're here to, to protect that. And, right. Speaking and, of that, you had uh, recently, last week or a couple weeks ago, a couple of your uh, uh, park rangers uh, tilled up a plot of land and planted seed that is eventually going to become a, a feeding ground for uh, the local population of birds. They to, did. To enhance the, the um, ecosystem. Yes. We had a couple of our rangers that were working on a, a native food plot and... You know, we, we don't want to introduce some kind of seed species that's going to grow an exotic plant or something that would take over and mm -hmm. destroy the ecosystem. So we try to use native species and they were using a native seed mix that had uh, various things in it like Illinois bundle flower and partridge pea and and some native Texas things that are good for turkeys and quail and that kind of thing. And that that is just one example of uh, why it's important that people within the Corps of Engineers should be the ones responsible for the core lands. And that that sort of brings into perspective why simply just mowing a section of core land next to your property could be a very bad thing. It could be. You know, the, the primary reason we're here is for flood risk management and downstream flood protection. So the reservoir needs to be able to rise and fall and we need to be able to store floodwaters. And when someone comes onto core property and 
mows down the vegetation and makes it look like a manicured lawn. What a lot of times what they don't realize is the root structure of that grass then becomes shorter. So, so you got erosion. It creates erosion. You know, if the lake then comes up and rises five or 10 feet, it, it's more prone to erosion in those locations. Whereas if they had left it with some native plants, some blue stem, some kind of uh, range plants that have longer root structures, you're protecting yourself, you know? So that that's why we, we're real concerned about when people remove vegetation. Makes sense. Makes sense. So you were talking about flood risk management, which um, if you guys didn't know, the uh, Fort Worth district was established in 1949 after uh, some major floods hit the Fort Worth area. If you've ever been downtown Fort Worth, there's a there's a building called Montgomery Plaza and the water was up to the, almost up to the third story of that building. Uh, so the Corps of Engineers was, uh, became established in order to uh, partner with the state and local agencies to um, develop the, uh, the floodplains and spillways and, and you name it, dams. Um, so that's what Rob was talking about and he's gonna get a little bit more into some of what people might see as negative side effects when it comes to flood risk management. So tell me what that's all about. Well, you know, we get a lot of people uh, that will call our office when we're either holding a lot of flood water and not making release, or if we are releasing water in the summer for some reason. And, and people a lot of times will question the motives on, you know, why are they making a, a release right now or why are they not making one? And, a lot of people don't realize that the water rights in Louisville Lake are actually owned by the cities of Dallas and Denton. So if you could picture the lake being like a bowl or a bathtub, the core doesn't own the water until it gets into what we call flood pool. So conservation pool or what a lot of people would call normal pool here at Louisville is elevation 522. So if it's at 522 or below, it's Dallas and Denton's water. We only make a release if they request it. And sometimes they will. Sometimes we might be, the lake might be three or four feet low in the summer and Dallas needs drinking water. So they might request that we make a minor release so that they can pull it out downstream for drinking purposes, which that's why the lake, one of the missions of why the lake was congressionally authorized was water supply. Um, yes. And if you didn't know, uh, of the 25 lakes that the Corps manages, um, that provides one third of the entire state of Texas's drinking water. So what Rob's explaining right now is extremely important. And what he just told what he just told you, I didn't know, but it's uh, it makes sense why sometimes people don't understand uh, why why they're opening the the um, the yeah we get we get angry people in the summer <laughs> whenever their backyard, the lake's just dropping and dropping and you know, they, they don't understand why we're making release. Well, it's because it's been requested by the owner of the water. Now in the other instance where it's above 522, it's above that conservation pool. It's in our flood pool. Sometimes we'll have to hold it. And a lot of pe people will call up and say, well, the, the lake's backing up. It's getting close to my property. You need to let water out. Well, it's all about what's going on downstream. Right. So we have to wait until certain gauges in the Trinity River system have reached a certain threshold to where we can make a safe release. And 
All of those releases are actually determined by our Fort Worth uh, district office. We have the hydrologists there in the, the water management section. They are the ones that determine when we make releases. So they will call out here to the office and say, hey, we need you to do a release at this rate and, and we make that happen. Right. So thanks for that. That really sheds some light on uh, something that people might think is inconvenient for them. But hopefully, hopefully you all understand now. So like I said, stop messaging me on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, so you've been doing this for quite some time. You've been involved in the Corps of Engineers and uh, been around this area for a while. And that has to be for good reason. So tell me, tell me one of your most memorable times working for the Corps of Engineers. Don't think too long. We're on air. Well, there's there's a lot of memorable moments. Um, I could probably... Most rewarding. Most rewarding. It's probably working with the, the youth hunters that you got to experience with me. That's probably one of the most rewarding is getting to provide an opportunity for some, you know, disabled youth hunters that they wouldn't otherwise get, you know, other rewarding experiences. I could think back to when I was a ranger and, uh, one time I stopped a, a group of younger 18 to 20 year old kids that were getting ready to go out on a boat. They didn't all have life jackets and, I pretty much told them you can't go out unless you all get life jackets or, you know, we'd have to issue a citation or whatever. Well, they, they complied and they went and bought a couple of life jackets at the store up the road. Well, about three hours later, we got a call and they had been in an accident on the lake in the vessel and one of them had broken their leg and a couple of them had gotten thrown into the water. So that was rewarding to know that, you know, the efforts there paid off. People think about going out on a lake as uh, recreation and safety is just like when you get out on the road and you put your seatbelt on. It's like it should be a second thought. It putting is. a life jacket on it should be the same as putting a seatbelt on. I would want every one of my rangers on water safety patrol to put that as a priority. That if they come in contact with anyone on the lake that they need to make sure there's enough life jackets for everyone on board that vessel. And not only that, but that they're wearing it because... We have drownings out here, unfortunately, almost every year, multiple drownings yeah. usually. And very rarely do those occur if someone's wearing that life jacket. Tell me about, uh, tell me about something recently that happened that really reminds you, this is, what I was, this is what I was born to do. This is where I was born to work. What something happened recently that's, God, there's nothing else I'd rather be doing other than the youth hunt. Mm, that's, I mean, the thing I like about the job is it's, it's, you come into work and no two days are ever the same. Okay. I, I like that aspect of it. I like the ability to not only be able to work in an office setting, but also be out and check on our facilities and, and see what's going on out there outdoors. You know, I'm, I'm an outdoors type person. I was raised hunting and fishing and, and that's kind of how I got into, into all this is my background there. I wanted to do something in the outdoors. And when I come in and, and see that we're having an impact on natural resources and, and getting to experience the outdoors and make it better for others, uh, it, it's rewarding. It's a rewarding career to have. Tell me about, <clears throat> before, we, before we finish this up here, tell me about maybe some stuff you got coming up in the future that people would want to know about. Okay. Um, well, currently a couple of projects we've got going on. We are in the final stages of our master plan update here at Louisville. And for people that don't know, we have a, uh, a master plan on file here at the office that 
it's kind of like a land classification or a zoning of the lake, okay. so to speak. It kind of determines how we're going to operate in the next, you know, 10 to 15 years on, okay, what is this land going to be used for? So we have park land designated, we have wildlife management land, and then we have some operations land. And then in this most recent update, we've added like some low density recreation lands to where, okay, maybe they're not best utilized as wildlife management, but maybe trails and, okay. and you know, low impact recreation okay. type thing. Um, that's, that's one project that's about to be finalized within the next six months. We should have that final update. We just started that process for Ray Roberts. So there will be some public meetings held where people can have the opportunity to comment on, on the master plan update at Ray Roberts. Um, we we kind of touched on it earlier, but that the repair work going on at the dam is a big one. That's going to be an ongoing project here for for several years, and that's that's the big one that I think we've got going on right now. And right now they've they're uh, like I said, I was out there a few times, and they're building. There's there's a bridge that gives them almost direct access uh, to the dam instead of having to use semis, get on the highway, go all the way around, and drop off the dirt. So. But that bridge can't handle the weight of these big off-road dump trucks, so they brought in, and you'll see on uh, on Facebook they're going to be they're going to be finishing up here uh, late next week or early the week after. They brought in this prefabricated galvanized steel they call an air bridge, and it's basically like an erector set. So they're going to be assembling the bridge, put it on rollers, and then push it across and permanently install it yes. so that these giant um, off-road dump trucks can not only carry more uh, soil, but get it there faster. Right. And I think that railroad bridge that's there currently was built like in the mid fifties and it just isn't rated for, for what we need to use it for. But, but that project, that dam safety repair, it's actually a $150 million project that is kind of broken down into three contracts and we're in the first one right now which is the repair of the embankment where they're going to stabilize some of the embankment and then the second contract is a spillway uh, stabilization where they're going to add some anchors to the spillway to help it better handle high flood loads and and then the third contract would be restoring the property of right. where they're taking the borrow pits yeah. and making those into a better habitat for the wildlife and there's a lot, it's not just, it's not just um, carrying dirt out there, uh, piling it up on the, on the, uh, on the berm and spreading some grass seed. Like they're, uh, they're out there, they have to move the city water lines. They have to move and install brand new instrumentation. They have to uh, build new roads, take out old roads. It's, it's a lot. And I, you know, I didn't, I don't have any engineering background. So when I think about, you know, making the dam stronger, yeah, just put some more dirt on it. But no, there's, there's these um, inclinometers, which actually they, they measure how much the dam is actually moving because whether you realize it or not, there's a lot of water on the other side. And it's, if it's, if the dam is not uh, structured right, or there's some, some moving sand inside the dam, it's going to move. So that's how they, that's how they determine where the the weaker spots are and where they need to to shore that up, so to speak. All right. They're 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 going to have a collection system for that water, and that way they can monitor it. And that's that's primarily what they're trying to do is be able to to keep better tabs on that movement of the water. Yeah. 
I've had a lot of fun. I appreciate I've, the opportunity. I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot. So uh, Louisville is Lake Louisville, Louisville Lake. Which one is it? Louisville Lake. Louisville Lake is about uh, 45 miles northeast of Fort Worth. Yes. Where is Ray Roberts? Ray Roberts is north of Louisville Lake. Mm -hmm. It's it's on the Elm Fork of the Trinity River. Uh, the dam is actually located between Pilot Point and Sanger, Texas. Uh, they're built to work as a system so that we can determine, you know, if we need to make releases at Ray Roberts first or uh, Louisville first. It, it works together as a flood control system. Now, one difference in Ray Roberts, it, it of course, is, is flood control as well, but its primary purpose was water supply. Okay. To add additional water storage so that Denton and Dallas could get that additional water. Okay. Um, so tell me about if, if somebody if somebody wanted to contact uh, somebody from the Corps here at the Lake Office, how would they get a hold of you? They could call our main office number, which is 469-645-9100. That'll be in the... Uh, in the description section below. That's the ma the main number here for the office, or they can get on our website and they can submit questions through there. Um, it's a long website. You'll have to you'll have to post that address. I will. It's usace.swf.army.mil. But like I said, it'll be in the com in the description section below. And then of course you have the social media platform where yep. people can reach out to us through that as yep. well. Always leave a comment on this video or any other one of the, the uh, pieces of content that we post, or you could email public.affairs at usace.army.mil. And uh, once again, that'll all be in the description box below. Well, life is better at the lake. Life is better at the lake. Isn't it, it is better at the lake. <laughs> My name is Trevor Welsh. I'm the public affairs specialist at the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, Fort Worth District. Rob Jordan, lake manager at Louisville Lake and Ray Roberts. And it's been our pleasure to talk to you today about why life is better at the lake. All right. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.